show. Uh, hope everyone's having a great week. Uh, we have another great episode lined up, which we will get into in, in just a minute. Before we do that, though, I want to remind everyone of our show sponsors. Uh, one, Modus Nation. They are they actually were generous enough to offer a promo code for the show, which is nothing owed. So that'll get you uh, 15% off in their store, in addition to uh, some of the other sales that they run from time to time. Uh, can't combine the codes, but still, nonetheless, it's uh, they're a good company, awesome clothing. Uh, have a couple of their shirts already. So please uh, support them. Uh, they definitely support the community uh, with a lot of uh, charity donations and a lot of the work that they do uh, behind the scenes. So awesome company, good people, good clothing. Uh, can't speak highly enough of them. Uh, so nothing owed is the uh, the promo code to get an awesome discount at the Modus Nation store. And uh, we also have another sponsor for this show, which is going to be Winfield Watch. Uh, I know we've talked about them before. We've interview- interviewed Mark a few times, but um, they're awesome watches. Mark is a good guy. And even before he came on the show, I was a customer. Um, I purchased one of their watches uh, just on a whim. And uh, I was so impressed with the watch and the company and the service that, that Mark gave me that uh, I wanted to get him on the show. And he's also um, taking the time to, to help us out and to, to sponsor the show. He's also having a sale uh, for this month, for the month of April. Uh, so he's offered a promo code for 20% off at the Winfield Watch Store. Uh, that code is WINSPRING, all one word, W-I-N-S-P-R-I-N-G. So please uh, take the time, get yourself a watch. Uh, in all honesty, those watches are worth way more than they than he charges. So please uh, support Mark and support the show. And with that, we will get into our episode. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Nothing Owed podcast with Ben and Brian. And we have a, another great episode tonight. Uh, we have... Alex and Jeremy from Cut and Taste in Las Vegas. Uh, they are a catering company, to put it simply, uh, but they put on these great events, uh, spectacular food. Uh, definitely check out their Instagram after the show is over. Check out their website. Uh, you won't be disappointed. But uh, they have a great story. I really enjoyed talking to them just before we uh, got in the air. Um, so we're going to talk to them about how they got started, talk to them about some of the uh, challenges they faced in the uh, COVID environment, and uh, just uh, have a good time, chat about some good food and, uh, and some of the events they put on. Uh, and always, Ben is here, so I'll turn it over to him so he can uh, say hi, and we'll check in with him, and then we'll uh, get going. So Ben, hi Ben, what's new? Nothing new. I'm very excited about today's episode. Uh, these guys, you cut them short, they are the best top-notch five-star high-end catering company in las vegas i apologize uh, and and within i would say five surrounding states uh so i've i've eaten a lot of their food um you can't see me on the podcast but i've i've put on they they're they're the cause of a lot of uh a lot of my weight issues so uh but they make <laughs> outstanding food they're very unique um, young entrepreneurs. I'm very excited. You know, our listeners will want to hear, you know, about this story about how they've, you know, and, and when they were hit, uh, with, with some issues, they pivoted, uh, and were able to, to make things continue to work for them, uh, in a unique, in, a, in only the way they can. So, um, they're great guys where I'm excited to, 
to get into their story. So, yeah, absolutely. And maybe uh, they can tell us how they kept you out of the kitchen from taking all their food as we get into it, but can't do it. <laughs> can't do it. It's impossible. Cool. All right. Hey, with that, um, Alex, Jeremy, turn it over to you guys. If you uh, don't mind, just do a quick intro and then uh, definitely love to hear how you got started and uh, just hear all about uh, cut and taste. Hey, uh, again, thanks for having us. Uh, my name's Alex, and I have his partner, Jeremy's uh, on the line here, too. Uh, a little bit about our company. We started back in 2011. There's actually uh, Jeremy and my other business partner, Adam. Um, we had all met in culinary school back at the Culinary Institute of America uh, in New York, uh, Hyde Park. Uh, that was back in 2006. We became good friends. Jeremy and Adam are roommates. Um, after culinary school, we... Uh, continued on our education and, you know, our career. Uh, Jeremy and I both went to UNLV. Adam moved uh, to uh, Vegas, where Jeremy's originally from. He started working for, I believe, the ARIA. Um, a little bit into our careers after that, uh, Jeremy and Adam decided, you know, we love our industry, we love what we do, but we don't want to work for anybody else anymore. Um, right. They want they want to do something by themselves. So they figured out, figured out a way to capitalize on that by getting into the catering industry has low overhead, low startup costs. You always know what kind of, you know, food and staff you need. It's never a surprise. So you should never run out. You should never be, you know, over prepping. So they started doing uh, box lunches to salons and other little businesses uh, in the in the area. From there, they started developing their name and uh, started doing house parties. And from there, it kind of took off. Uh, and, to, you know, to now, what? 10 years later, we're probably the largest catering oh. company here in Nevada. You missed wow. a big point, Alex. It didn't take off till someone joined the company. <laughs> this is very, this is very true, but I always get in trouble when I say it. Yeah. That was that, like 2012 and a half. Uh, it's probably 2000, uh, January, 2013. Yeah, oh, yeah. I was, uh, I was doing special events and, uh, marketing, uh, for a restaurant group here in town. And, uh, Adam and Jeremy approached me to help join the company. Okay. Um, I think just all our three strings together really helped us skyrocket. I can't do what Jeremy does. I can't do what Adam does. I think that's reciprocal. What do you think? What was the biggest change you guys made to, to make, uh, make the business grow at that point? I, I would give this one full credit to, uh, to Jeremy and his mother, uh, to be honest. Um, the, the, I mean, we've always had like great food and great service and great presentation, but we were young. I mean, we were probably what twenty four, okay. And uh, no one really, no one really gave us, no one gave us, give us a chance. Okay. And that chance uh, came by Jeremy's mother. Uh, she worked for the uh, American Heart Association, and every year they would do a charitable event okay. over at the World Market Center. Um, for those of you who aren't familiar with it, it's a giant, like thirteen million square foot space, three buildings, uh, around the Spaghetti Bowl downtown area of uh, Las Vegas. Um, so Jeremy and Adam have been doing that, uh, competition charity event for a few years. And so they really got to know the senior staff over at world market center and just around that exact same time, they were, you know, looking to de develop their, uh, event program. Okay. They starts, you know, doing weddings and more special events. The problem they were having, they had them in the past, but there was always a new caterer coming in there. So their, you know, their quality level, you know, sometimes had rave reviews, sometimes at terrible reviews. And they really wanted to standardize that across the board. Yeah. Uh, and so they, were, they put out, you know, um, an RFP and a tasting for, uh, to, to, get the, to get the in-house like, catering deal there. 
and uh, Jeremy and Adam uh, landed it, wow. which was pretty pretty shocking. Like, I mean, at the time, they were doing all their catering out of their uh, out of Adam's kitchen at his house. Nice. Um, so this was a huge a huge step for our company. Uh, we had got we moved into like a forty a four thousand square foot in, you know industrial commercial kitchen, uh, right. and from there we were really able to sell ourselves as you know a reputable catering okay. company could give us a little bit of clout because we were so young. Right. So so at that time, were you guys doing the the actual market deals that you, or was it just events that they were holding there? So we we started there with uh, just events. They wanted to kind of ease ease us into the the market convention and for good reason, because by the end of it, the amount we were doing, I understand how crazy it is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Tell, Jeremy, real quick, just lay out for listeners who don't know what market is. Everybody in Vegas knows what market is, but will you give a, a real quick rundown and, and, uh, cause you guys do that now. I mean, not in COVID, but you guys are like the primary provider for that now. And that's just like, I know I've talked to you guys during that time and you're like, don't call me for two weeks. I don't want to hear. <laughs> give a quick, so true. Give a, yeah, yeah. Give a quick rundown of of what market is and and yeah. how that tied in. So market is uh, the furniture convention that happens in Las Vegas twice a year. Uh, it brings anywhere from fifty to eighty thousand people to this convention space. Um, the three buildings each have about 16 floors and every single showroom is some sort of furniture. So the, the 50 to 80,000 people coming in are coming in, uh, they're buyers from some, some sort of brand and they're coming in to buy furniture to resell to the general public. Uh, so essentially each one of these showrooms in these buildings wants food. They want to give the best impression to these buyers. They want to do anything they can that's going to give them the step above so that they can sell their furniture in big quantities to whoever that person might be. So um, World Market themselves has internal events, amenities that happen throughout the buildings. But on top of that, each one of these showrooms, they want food. So, uh, you know, we we started just doing the uh, internal events and eventually we started taking on showroom after showroom. And, you know, by, by the end of it, um, I think our peak, we were doing 180 events yeah, about 350. 350? They were doing 350 events in January, the last, the last busy January. And it's two weeks, right? Five One days. Week. Oh, it's only five? Jeez. Five days. And so these guys, for the listeners that are not grasping it, these guys <laughs> are making meals for 350 events that are happening in these three buildings with 16 floors, 24 hours a day almost. You guys were working 24 hours a day for sure. Uh, you know, just in circles, uh, you know, pulling their house. You guys go on vacation, right? Like at the end of market every year. Isn't that when you guys normally like, we're right. going to like Indonesia and don't call us. <laughs> we, 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 we check out for a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Sorry. I, I jumped ahead. So you guys are in market Well, you're in the world market center and you're doing their events that they rent. Jeremy, I didn't know your mom was in charge of that. The heart association deal. I've been to that. Um, that charity event a couple times. Uh, I didn't know that was uh, run by your mom. That's awesome. That's a great event. Um, so kudos to her. But um, so you're there. You bring on the Superman. You bring on Alex, the <laughs> the home run hitter, to make the company whole. And, all right. And so I interrupted you. So keep going. Sorry. 
Yeah, so um, when we brought Alex on, we realized the value of having an event space bring us business. Um, so World Market, they were trying to sell their event space and automatically that meant we got events. So we're like, wow, that's super easy. We don't need to market ourselves. We just need to make sure we do a good job at every event so that they get great reviews and then we just continue to get business. So honestly, I think it was at that time that we're like, let's just focus on being the cater for event spaces in Las Vegas. Um, for what people probably don't know, Las Vegas, yeah, we have the strip, all the casinos, but everything on the strip is managed by the strip. No, no outside caters can go in there. Um, but there's plenty of things to do outside of the strip and that's what we wanted to capture. So Alex's first task on hand as Superman coming into cut and taste, <laughs> he was like, I'm going to get us another event space. And what was it? Maybe two months, two months after you started, um, we got keep memory live center, which is, a uh, Cleveland, Cleveland clinic brain center. Uh, which is literally across the street from World Market Center. Um, we turned into one of their preferred caters. Uh, they're a very high-end brand. So they had Wolfgang Puck, they had the Four Seasons, and then they had Cut and Taste. Wow. And what that meant was we're going to get the bulk of events because nobody wants to spend what Wolfgang Puck charges or Four Seasons charges. Um, and yeah, I mean, between those two event spaces, we were way busier than we ever thought we would be, especially a year into the starting the business. Um, and yeah, we, we decided that is the strategy we're going to take. And from that point on, there's an event space cut and taste is talking to them to this day. I mean, I think during COVID, well, we have four new event spaces. Yeah. We just uh, got area 15 meow wolf. Uh, there's green gale farms that is opening up and, uh, Talking to a few other ones right now, but can't talk about them until it's official. Lotus House. Oh, and Lotus House. Yeah, Lotus House is great up in the Centennial area. Wow, that's that's incredible. So I'm curious, uh, when you when you're preparing food in that amount, that larger quantity, does your licensing have to change? I mean, are there special like inspections that you have to go through to cook for that many people? And was that a, was that a challenge too, or how does that work? Um, so there's not any like special permits that you have to have to cook for larger numbers. Okay. Uh, it's, it's the same across the board, whether you're cooking for 20 people or 20,000. Okay. Um, but at the world market center, you know, one of our favorite memories is when we did do an event for 20,000 people all at once. Uh, I want to hear about that. <laughs> yeah. So we had, a. At World Market Center, they had these things called the pavilions, and there were these giant tents uh, in the parking lot. One of them was the size of, like... The one was 300 yards. The other one was, like, 180 yards. The other one was, like, 90 yards. Wow. But between the three of them, you know, you can host, I think, up to 30,000, 40,000 people in there. And uh, we had this event coordinator come in, and she needed a cater. It was for... Uh, 20,000 people is for six Cisco te technologies and make all the, like the office phones. I didn't know that till we catered that for them. Um, but tiny comp, tiny company. Yeah. <laughs> little company called six Cisco technology. Yeah. I knew Cisco foods. I was like, are we catering for Cisco foods? No. Um, but yeah, she wanted, she needed a cater and she came to us. Obviously she does big, big scale events. And she was like, Hey, have you guys ever done anything like this? 
obviously we're not going to say no. So we're like, yeah, of course we've done things like this. We've done a party for 5,000, party for 3,000, World Market Center, we do 50,000. All bullshit. Um, <laughs> for maybe the 1,000 person. I think we had done that at the time. Um, but she's like, all right, let's do it. You guys know what you're doing. So we pitched it. We pitched a menu. She, she loved the menu. We did a tasting. She loved the tasting. Um, Alex made his first deck ever, I think, of how we're going to figure out how to feed 20,000 people. Um, and yeah, we literally winged it. Uh, we had no idea what we were doing. Um, but I would say it was one of the most successful events we've ever had. Uh, the largest event we did was 2,500 people. Up and, until that yeah, point. Just, yeah, up until that point. And it was, it was pretty easy. It was like, it was like in the courtyard between all three buildings, not in a separate building offsite where we had to build kitchens and it, we had like, I think we had, four exterior kitchens or something like that. And we had also a main hub kitchen doing things. Like we had never done anything like this before. It was, it's the craziest thing in the world that we were able, able to pull this off. We had 350 employees we, we, coming from a staff that had eight full-time and everyone else was just like, and we had like 10 other part-time people. <laughs> how, do, how do you pull that many people together at one time and then train them to cook the way that up to your expectations? I mean, that seems like a challenge in and of itself. You know, I think that's the, the cool part about Vegas. And I think that's why our catering model probably wouldn't work in a lot of other cities is that we're in this entertainment capital of the world and there's so many casinos and there's so much staff and there's so many banquet staff at all the different casinos that when we had developed relationships within like the people within those casinos that we were able to pull from this already pre-trained staff. Okay. And so the people that were, were like, you know, are, are, we had me and Jeremy and Adam running the show then we made everybody else that was already full-time with us kind of like the vice presidents of the event. Right. Then we had all of our temp staff who we were normally worked with were kind of like the you know directors. And we brought in all of the other temp staff and we kind of just trickled down the delegation process. Right. And we, we, we had to rewrote like standard operating procedures for every single person. And so here's your, here's your, this is how you do your job. Right. Just follow this and you can't mess it up. And don't bother me all night. Yeah. <laughs> so That's if, awesome. if you don't want me asking, I'm really interested in the logistics of that. I mean, so in, in a situation like that, are most of the people preferring, preparing food, are they just focusing on one particular thing and just, it's like an assembly line type system? Is that how you, you put it all together? Yeah, I think, um, you know, we didn't learn this from somebody, but this is what we figured out to do. So I don't know how other catering companies do really large scale events, but we essentially build a mini kitchen at each one of our food stations. Okay. Um, so it's three rows of tables. The front row of tables is guest facing. They can grab food from there. The second row of tables is where we build food. And the third row is the mini kitchen holding shafers of hot food, the plates. Hot boxes, coolers. But then it's just an assembly line at every single station. So I'd say what, there was like 45 stations at that event. I think so. Um, so we had 45 mini kitchens on top of the four main kitchens on top of our one headquarters wow. kitchen. And we were able to, uh, I think we were able to pull this off because we made it so like, you can't mess this up. It's like, here's everything you need for it. All you have to do is all night is build this one plate. Okay. And, each and I like what you said before. Sorry, Jamie, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I like what you said before with logistics and I, I, I attribute, you know, Jeremy is a logistic king. He is so organized and the Excel spreadsheets that he builds just makes everything just so seamless all, all the way down to like, 
okay, I know this table is six feet wide. I can fit this many plates on it. You know, I know how long it takes to make, you know, make this one dish. This is an exact amount of dishes that we can physically get out. So I know we can do this. Uh, that's incredible. Now, are all these dishes coming out at the same time, or is it just kind of staggered to where people can kind of help themselves as they're hungry? Yeah, it's on a flow. I think, okay. I think that event was like four hours long. Okay. So for four hours, we're just making plates, making plates, but guests can grab them as, as needed. It was really for the first two hours. The last uh, hour and a half or so, uh, One Republic was the headliner. Okay. So everyone was just watching the concert. Oh, yeah. Cocktail hour. Uh, so that's incredible. How big was the menu? I mean, was it was it wasn't forty five different? No, I think we had six different stations. Like, so one station was to say it was. I mean, when you're doing something that big, you're not doing like you know Michelin fine dining food, but you're just doing like simple things that we know we can get out. But we do them right. We do them so they taste really good. So one example would be like a boneless chicken wing station with like you know you know house made fries, and so we had three different sauces. Um, but maybe, maybe we would do like, you know, five of those stations and then there's like six other themes and we would do five of each of those as well. Oh, okay. Cause I'm that guy, when I'm at those kind of things, I'm like, Hey man, where'd you get those chicken and fries? And I got to go find that <laughs> station. Then I got to go, you know, got to make sure. Yeah. But it, it, I guess a bigger menu would get pretty complicated too. I mean, that's going to bog you down. Right. Like, yeah, again, it all, it, it all comes down to logistics when you're, yeah. it's not, it's not really catering anymore. It's, it's making sure that you can you do what you promised you're going to do. Yeah. And you guys probably, do you have to, in that situation, did you have to, I know in the wedding business, you have to kind of steer the client a little bit like, Hey, I don't know if you want to do that, that we don't like that. That's going to be bad for your guests. Did you have to do that with this big, with Cisco? Well, the beauty about these big events is that they come with big event coordinators. Um, and it's specific teams dedicated to the food and beverage of these events. So they're sometimes the one being like, you sure you can do that? Cause I don't know how you're going to pull that off. So not so much is the answer to your question. We don't have uh, to, but. Well, well, the answer to that question, did you just go, Hey, we have a guy on our staff. His name's Alex. And yeah. <laughs> he's called Superman. Super, <laughs> super cut. Yeah, I want to yeah give another shout out. I mean, we, we spoke about Jeremy's mom, but uh, this, the lady who really took like you know a leap of faith in us was this uh, woman out of uh, San Francisco named uh, Susana Munoz. Uh, she was kind of like a third party food and beverage consultant for George B. Johnson, one of the largest event and marketing companies in the world. Right, right. If not the largest, um, she took a leap of faith with us and believed our lies or just felt bad for us. I don't know what it was. No, she might hear this. Don't. <laughs> Don't just say believe Joe. Oh, no, no, we, no, we we still talk to this day. We told her we lied afterwards. Uh, yeah. She's like she's like she's like she's like our second mom. Like we go okay. visit her whenever she's in town, and we're super close with her. And can't wait to see her again. But yeah, between uh, Annarella, Jeremy's mom, and uh, Susanna, those two women have really like been the pivoting points of our company. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's cool. So you guys are doing that. You do that big, that big event. When did you, at the whole time, were you guys still doing the weddings? Or, no. or did you get into weddings a little later? Or Oh, from, from oh. the start, yeah, we, we've been doing weddings. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, just for that event, we just blocked off maybe like two months of our calendar. We're like, we don't know what we're doing. We're going to not take any events for two months. Uh, well, I mean, just in the progression of your, your business, um, were you doing... 
weddings at that time too while you guys were at world market is what, what i mean but yeah i think um i think our first wedding was maybe a couple months in to when we got world market and it was frightening um, yeah you know there's this like energy around weddings where everything needs to be perfect everything's like it's a big day they're spending all this money and you know when our first one came around i was like man i don't want to fuck up someone's sorry i curse i don't want uh i don't want to mess up someone's wedding you know um i honestly can't remember who the first wedding was but i found out that it's just like every other cater event I was yeah. Like, oh, yeah you just chill out you just cater it's fine you just yeah. you just get like you know five times the emails from every family member yeah it's <laughs> just just more time consuming on the computer yeah yeah i know uh i know from some of my experiences that that wedding stuff is probably it was probably some of those weddings are probably more stressful than the twenty thousand, you know the cisco event at you know some of those those really gals sometimes. It, yeah, yeah. sometimes the smallest events are more stressful than the large ones for sure yeah i know yeah. uh Lindsay told me about a time you guys were somewhere and i I don't remember which event it was, but it was a wedding and you guys were like, somebody dropped a tray of like salmon and you oh guys, my gosh. you guys are like, she was, she was telling me Jeremy was there. Right? I think it was Jeremy and Jeremy was like, like, we don't have like backup salmon. Like we, I mean, to your point about logistics, like we, we plan for X amount of salmon dishes right and that's what we bring we don't bring like this extra fridge full of like backup salmon and you know and they were rushing around trying to figure out and i remember lindsay coming home and going you know she would come home and tell me you know the the things that went wrong and stuff and she said you know they figured it out somehow there was the right amount of salmon and the right amount of pork tenderloin or whatever it was you know and and uh just it's amazing how you guys it was always amazing to me that it was like there wasn't leftovers. You guys are logistically planning for each and every dish and that's what you charge for. That's what you bring. That's what you prepare. You know, it's not, I mean, it's different than a restaurant where you've got leftover or, mm -hmm. you know, you're, you don't know what people are going to order and, you know, that yeah. kind of thing. Which There's a little, bit more con a little bit more control involved, which is really nice. Yeah. That's but what I'm, makes uh, the food industry tough, right? Is, yeah. is that unknown factor. But I'll yeah, never that, forget this event though. Uh, I can still remember like yesterday, Jeremy was at this event and it, uh, it was Lundy's event and it was at Casa de Shenandoah, Wayne Newton's estate. And we had this awesome guy who's our event coordinator, Chris, uh, love him to death, but he was, he was very green and he was push, pushing the entire speed rack. And for those of you who don't know what a speed rack is, it's basically like a shelf of all the trays. And it, had, it probably had like 80 portions of entree salmon on it. He's pushing it through the grass and trips over and falls over the entire speed, speed rack. And he goes all over, all yeah. over Wayne Newton's front yard. So it wasn't just salmon. It wasn't salmon. It was the, the rice. It was the vegetables. It was the salmon. It was like, literally, we lost like all the food. I was like, oh my gosh. And you said it was, it was 80 servings? It was 80 plates? Yeah, it was, it was a lot of the food. Um, I think we probably had a, one other speed rack for the event. So yeah. we lost 50% of the food. Luckily, a few of us were still back in the kitchen. We got the call. It wasn't far from where we were at. And we were able to, luckily, we had some for a, an event the next day. And so we, were, we broke it down, re-prepped, made all the rice again, re, you know, broke down all the salmon, portioned it out, and we were able to get it there in time. But uh, <laughs> that's incredible. That's awesome. That's, that's events, though. It's, it's all about the unknown. It's, it's, events are really more about 
not preparing for them. It's just being ready to fix anything that goes wrong. Yeah. So what are, what are some of the issues you have? What does go wrong? I mean, I know obviously accident people trip, but what are some other problems you've had with, with catering that it was unforeseen? I mean, I would say like the, the most reoccurring um, challenge that we have to overcome is timing. Okay. Uh, you know, everybody has a goal of what the timeline for their event is going to be. And with food, you need that timeline because you're like, all right, if you want food at 6 p.m., I got to get started at 5 p.m. Right. So on and so forth. So if at 5.45, someone's been in the oven for 45 minutes and they're like, hey, we're going to move it to 6.30 p.m. You're like, well, shoot, what am I supposed to do with this food that's going to die in the oven or it's going to get old or whatever it might be? So right. it's like it's constantly playing with that timeline. It's even worse when they're like, hey, instead of 6 p.m., can you do 5.30? And you're like, well, that's in 10 no minutes. One thinks about, no one thinks about the, the catering. It's always the last yeah, you know, thought. Um. How do you, that's, when uh, get raw, that's when you get raw salmon. Sure, we'll serve it. It's now <laughs> it's now sushi. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we turn Japanese perfect. Yeah, I love it. I say the two other two other big things that happen. Um plated dinners, wet, weddings again. Um people say you know, they they stay select, you know, I'm gonna have salmon that night, or I'm gonna have steak, or I'm gonna have the vegetarian option. They get there apparently, you know, sometime from two months ago to the day. Now they're vegan or now they're gluten-free or now, you know what, this thing sounds better. We already had things that, you know, we always try to, you know, do plus five of each portion. Right. Best to be safe. And then, that's, uh, a good, that's a great point. Like they, you get there and you go, no, 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 I, I went vegetarian. Yeah. I don't want the steak. I want the whatever. Yeah. yeah. To be and fair, then, uh, I, I recently went to a wedding where I had to choose an option in advance. And when I got to the wedding, I was like, I can't remember what I chose. <laughs> why people change their minds because you really can't remember yeah and ha i bet you half the time your wife or your husband's answering the rsvp and just going yeah give us the yeah. chicken you know kind of thing you guys don't ever serve just plain chicken i know that but uh it's elevated chicken yeah. do you ever even serve chicken <laughs> we do i mean it's not my favorite thing to do but we when we do we, we do it right and uh i follow yeah. you both on instagram and i have never seen you guys prepare chicken and i've seen this posted picture of our chicken dinner at home <laughs> never never alex posts more about uh you know posts okay. more about what he's making and it's always something amazing you know for him and his wife jeremy posts more family stuff you know with with cena but i've never i can't remember have you ever made chicken at home that's literally the protein i eat the most really <laughs> That's awesome. I think when quarantine started, I did do two Mary's free free range whole roasted chickens. But I did it on like some giant board with roasted potatoes and salad and roasted vegetables. It was like a, a plethora of a display for friends that came over. Oh, that's not but chicken. That's not chicken. That's art. <laughs> it was chicken at one time, right? What's that? Yeah. Did, Alex, you said that was for Franklin? No, 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 it wasn't. No, it was for friends, not Franklin. Oh, I thought he said Franklin. Franklin uh, is Alex's dog. I thought he just made that spread for his dog. Oh. <laughs> Which I would, I about. would do that for, I would do that for Franklin. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say you guys, you guys have some some pretty dogs. That's your kids right now. So yeah, we don't we don't have children. Um, not in the books for us, but Jeremy's about to have a baby in a, a few months. Here it goes. Got to become an adult. <laughs> get ready, get ready for that. Your life's never gonna yeah. be the same. 
Now, if you've never, for our listeners, Jeremy's wife, uh, her name's Cena. She's an absolute wonderful woman. If it was not for her, I'd be nervous for this child coming into this world, to be honest. <laughs> That's a fair statement. It's- yeah. I thought you were about to say something. If it wasn't for her, I wouldn't have a good haircut. And I'm just looking at you right now. <laughs> no, I, I don't know. Maybe she could do my beard. I, don't, I can't trim my beard. It looks like, you know, my beard has cancer. But uh, <laughs> it's, I always slip with the, you can't see it, but I slip. But So what would you rather do? A big event for some corporate uh, office, Cisco type, maybe not that big, but that type of event or a wedding oh easy i would literally do four big events a year and not work oh that's good that's it i know that's a really easy question for people trying to hire us (laughs) no not that you don't like the people you work with that's not what i mean i just what you know what would you prefer i i know what line to walk yeah uh, large, large corporate events you know they're it's a lot of pre-work. You get it done one day and it's over, you know. And you uh, move on. I like that. Do you get um have you guys had a lot of um again, minus COVID, but did you have you had a lot of um recurring a business, you know, with the convention type thing, you know, Cisco comes, they hire you and then they they do their next year annual thing and they hire you again? I think Jeremy touched on this earlier. Um, a lot of these conventions, like we've done things for Google, Uber, uh, Splunk, Cisco, a bunch of other large companies like that. Um, we can only cater for them if they're on an off-strip property. Right, right. Um, so the conventions keep coming here to town. And so they have their, you know, opening and closing parties. Those are the ones that we have an option to get. But it has to happen at somewhere that's off-strip. So a lot of times, you know, um, maybe those, they're going to go to T-Mobile, but T-Mobile is run by MGM. Wow. or So they, they don't like to use the same property every single time. They want to create a new experience, something that's exciting for their, for their clients and for their staff. And so it's not so much repeat business with them as it is repeat business with uh, their uh, DMC company, which is like a George P. Johnson or Jack Morton. They basically they're, they're basically like uh, travel agents or whatever you call that, like on steroids. Right, right. Yeah, kind of like, uh, you know, we made the plan of getting event spaces. And once we got all the event spaces that we could, we kind of shifted that same uh, game plan to event planners and DMCs. So it's not so much we have repeat clients, but we have repeat event planners. You know, there's a lot of event planners out there that are like, hey, our, our favorite caterer is Cut and Taste. So anytime I have a wedding, anytime I have an event, I'm going to go to Cut and Taste. And again, it's it's that same model. It's like the business comes to us, and we don't have to we don't have to go search. Yeah, it's nice not having a sales team. Uh, that's cool. That's cool. That's awesome. So, what year? Um, so you guys bought a building, moved out of the market center, right? You're not in that kitchen anymore. And then that was what two years ago? Yeah, that was 2019. Our contract ended in June of 2000. 19 um the world market center got bought by blackstone and there's a big merger and they brought in one of those mega companies like airmark you know Sodexo, center plates um because they're doing some buildings and yeah it's, it's just it's business uh so yes yeah, so then we moved it we got fortunate enough we found an amazing spot right by uh 
McCarran, you know, Las Vegas airport. Um, that was like 9,000 square feet and we ran out and turned into our kitchen. Unfortunately, it happened right before COVID. Right, right. That's what <laughs> I was getting to. Yeah, so um, I was lucky enough to go to the, they had a big grand opening party. It was an amazing party. Um, the food, of course, was amazing. Um, and then COVID. your wife, by the way, through for us. Yeah, so, so for our listeners, um, my wife that runs Maudus Nation now, she used to own a an event planning company here in Las Vegas, and that's how we've gotten to know these guys. Uh, and she she was one of those planners that every chance she got, she would bring in cut and taste and would push people to cut and taste, um, you know, for their just because of the quality and the professionalism uh, and the type of foods that they would, you know, everything's unique. It's not chicken, you know, it's everything's unique chicken or the fish. Uh, but so, so you get, that's how we got to know each other. So Lindsay was blessed enough to uh, be able to plan their party. She did a great job. I, I got to sneak in the back door. Uh, Alex will joke that I, every time we, I get to go to their event. If I'm lucky enough, one of their events, I sneak into the kitchen. And I'm not say, joking though. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a fact. I will, I will sneak in and go, Hey, Alex, sneak me some of that stuff. Jeremy's not looking. Give me an extra plate of pasta. But uh, Alex and I have an understanding about that. It's, you know, we sneak that past these guys, but uh, so COVID hits. Uh uh, clearly everything in Las Vegas slows down all of the events, not only strip, but, uh, off strip properties. Um, sadly, our, our economy here was hit pretty bad. A lot of people out of work. Um, was Vegas know, totally shut down completely or was it just a extreme slowdown? I mean, for first time in what 70 something years that the lights went out on the strip or something. Uh, they, I mean, you could drive, you could ride your bike down, Las Vegas Boulevard and the lights were not on in the casinos completely closed. Wow. Yeah. We had a stay at home ordinance for a while. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's really hit our, you know, our industry here in Nevada is, is um, we have gaming uh, hospitality and construction. I mean, outside of that and in Las Vegas um, outside of that, it's very small, uh, but those three things kind of drive everything here in, in Las Vegas. Um, and when those things are booming, everybody's booming. Um, but when those things get shut down, I mean, there was a lot of people out of work. Um, but the point of my senseless rambling is these guys did not shut down. I mean, they did shut down for the required time period, but they, they, they made an amazing pivot. I have, I was in awe. Um, they created, and, and I'm not gonna, I'm, I'm gonna let you talk about it, but I don't want to call it the wrong name, but they created an at home gourmet meal that you could come order via Instagram or their website. And then they would deliver it in a, you had to meet them at a spot and they basically gave you a high end meal in a bag and with the instructions on how to make it all the ingredients. And it was amazing. We did it a couple times. And then when it's starting to lighten up a little bit, they were able to do these uh, pop-up menu uh, restaurant at their location with limited guests and other things. But it's, you know, and they have these amazing themed nights. But I'll let you guys talk about that and what's your inspiration, because that's what I think our our viewers or our listeners would want to hear about, how you guys didn't let this thing punch you in the face. I, I know you struggled. I know that. 
but you guys didn't let it punch you in the face and stop you. You, you changed, you, you maneuvered you, and, and came up with ideas to, to fix it. So could you guys talk about that for a minute? Yeah. Um, so I think the biggest thing for us uh, when COVID happened is that we aren't, we are not essential, but we were also not required to close because we were food-based. So restaurants were allowed to stay open, uh, to go basis. They never said anything about caterers, anything about our whole industry, even like with the health department, there's never been any rules guiding us. So we were kind of in this limbo space, um, knowing, Hey, we got bills to pay. We're not forced to shut down. So we got to figure out how to do this. Um, for the first couple of months, I think like everyone else, we thought it was only going to last a couple of months. So we're just like, Hey, we'll just wait it out couple months take a break we work too much um but after the first couple months we realized that this thing is is going to be a long one um we all sat down we wanted to you know brainstorm ideas of what how how can we survive this how can we do something that's a legal with the rules that are out there and b um we needed to create something that would make the average person choose a caterer over a restaurant so like, why would you want to choose a caterer, especially with the stigma of caterers not being that great of food um, in comparison to restaurants? Uh, so the first thing we came up with were, was called the weekenders. Uh, we wanted to create uh, a date night in people's houses. Um, being two married men, we knew you can't, do, you can't go, any, go anywhere. You don't have anything to do. So we wanted to create something that was an activity but also food related since that's what our company is. Um, so these weekenders would be oven ready meals for two that came along with instruction sheets and a plate up video that gave you the ability to plate something like a, a restaurant would, make it real nice, set something up in your house, really make an event out of it and give you something to do for that week. Um, and like Ben said, uh, you would pre-order and then on Friday, there's a meetup spot. Come pick it up, take it home, and cook it at any point in the weekend. Um, that was actually really successful. It held us over for like three months. Uh, I think we had a lot of great feedback, a lot of great videos, a lot of great pictures of what people did. I think, uh, I think it did what we wanted it to do, and that was an activity to do while eating um, during lockdown. Um, that's awesome. But yeah, once, once we were able to do more because the restrictions were letting up, you know, we have this, uh, I want to say it's like 1500 square foot front space in our kitchen that we're like, Hey, like, why don't we do pop-ups? We'll sell tickets to it and we can, you know, we can kind of get creative. We can do more with the time that we have on our hands. Um, but again, we were faced with the same challenge of why would somebody choose us over a restaurant? There's no reason to go to a catering company to eat when there's a hundred restaurants that are struggling as well. Um, so what we wanted to do is we wanted to make our pop-up dinner somehow interactive. Uh, so what we did for our first one was a mystery basket concept. So anybody that bought a table, it would be sent, what was it 12 ingredients, Alex? Yeah, like 10 to 12 ingredients. Yeah, they were, they were sent 12, 10 to 12 ingredients that they get to choose from. They choose four. Every single table chooses four. And then a week before the pop-up, 
we would tally up the score and the top four ingredients me and Alex were required to make that five course menu highlighting those four ingredients. So kind of like chopped, um, but in an event way, it was very, it was a very interesting concept and I think people had a lot of fun doing it. Um, so every one of our pop-ups, which I think by the end of it, we did maybe eight. Um, it was somehow in that sense where the guest was choosing something uh, so that it's part of the dinner that they're experienced that night. That's interesting. Can you, can you give us an example of some of the meals that you guys prepared? Like what were some of the ingredients? Do you remember? (laughs) If you remember. Uh, One was beets, black garlic. uh, Corn. There's a lot of corn in there. Corn. uh, Yeah. We did some cool ingredients, like some random ingredients, like, you know, like uh, pink peppercorn or, uh, you know, what are those little candy things you have during the holidays? Like a peeps or something? Pepper, peppermint, peppermint. Yeah, we just, we, just, we threw some some random ones in there, but also really you know it's like choose at your own discretion. Like you're gonna have to eat this. Yeah, you gotta <laughs> eat it. Yeah. What was in the gnocchi? Oh, okay. Now, now, so that was that gnocchi had uh, two ingredients, maybe three, but it was a uh, we did a uh, a Japanese uh, the, the purple sweet potato gnocchi. It was wrapped in a golden beet pasta dough so it's like kind of like a, a double pasta so you kind of made like a ravioli with the gnocchi uh and then uh had a truffle uh fur blanc sauce pea tendrils dehydrated beak uh crisps and some more truffle so so brian that was one of the dishes that i snuck into the kitchen and said alex give me some more gnocchi <laughs> let me tell you something i have eaten at a lot of restaurants lot i i live to eat i've been to some pretty high-end restaurants that gnocchi was a top five dish i've had in the world let me tell you what i really regretted choosing to do that dish really (laughs) making gnocchi and then making pasta and then wrapping the gnocchi and pasta for 50 people was a nightmare uh it was (laughs) it paid off but I'm glad you liked it. No, I, I mean, I've eaten all over the world. I, I was stationed overseas. My dad was stationed overseas when I was younger. You know, Lindsay and I like to travel and eat like you guys do. And that's a top five dish I've ever eaten. Like, I could not stop eating that dish. Thank you. Yeah, none of the, none of the staff got to eat it either because you had family meal. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I, what it tasted like, Ben. What's that? I wish I knew what it tasted like. <laughs> I'm not even embarrassed to say that I don't care that you didn't get any. <laughs> so another one of my favorite, uh, I think that was the first pop-up, right? I mean, I, that was the one I went to a couple of them, but I was one or two for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite things that they make is, uh, and I don't even know if you guys make it anymore. It was the first time I ever, first couple times I ever interacted with you guys, but it was like a truffle, like mushroom lollipop, like in some like dust, some truffle dirt looking dust thing. It was like a lollipop, but it was, that's another one that I snuck in the back and ate like 30 of them. You know what I'm talking about? That's our, our black truffle beignet oh. with our cocoa so- soil at the bottom. That is stupid good. Like that's, uh, anyway. <laughs> right, I think I think I'm driving out to Vegas now. I'll be out there in about uh, five hours. Calm down. 
That's right. You know, when you introduce, when you introduce these guys as a catering company, it, sadly people go, there is a stigma, right? Oh, catering chicken or the fish, right? Yeah. Brian, these guys do not make They are a high end restaurant. They are talented yeah. chefs in a very competitive, you know, this marketplace, I mean, outside of maybe New York, LA, I mean, we're getting bigger food scenes across the country, but New York and LA are pretty tough food scenes, right? But outside of that, Vegas is probably one of the top food scenes in the nation and it's super competitive um, and they are high end, but what I won't call food, they foo-foo up normal stuff, but it's not where you leave and you want to go get a burger afterwards because you, you only have two little bites of a, you know, whatever, two foo-foo. Their food is amazing. It is to die for. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things that we try to do, uh, you know, so we, we try to capture all the event spaces. We try to capture all the, you know, trust of all the event planners. But one of the ways that we did this, and, and Jeremy's really good at this, is we try to make our catering not just, you know, an aspect of an event. You know, you go to a wedding, okay, you expect to have food. No, we want our food to be an experience. So we say that we, we, we don't cater, we, uh, we do experiential catering. Uh, so and one, of the way, one of the ways we do this is we, we have a bunch of custom stations. And Jeremy's probably created the majority of all of our stations, and they're really cool. But basically, we, we give guests in a unique way that they're going to have food that not only tastes good, it's a great service, but it's presented and served, served to them in a way they've never seen. Like, in a, I guess a, 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 probably the, most, the easiest example for your listeners is we have this thing that we call the, a hanging station. And then this apparatus that has all made of copper with copper, with copper pipes. But on it, on the proper copper pikes, we have uh, hooks, and we hang different types of, you know, whether it's flat bread or pretzels or things like that. So when guests are in an event, all of a sudden we have two servers walking out with this, you know, eight-foot-long copper rod with like, you know, 20 pretzels hanging from it, and everyone turns their head and like, what, you know, what the hell is that? And then we drop it down in front of them, and then we have a bunch of, you know, uh, savory dips for them right. to, for, to, to accompany it. That's just an ex one example of our stations. We probably have about 15. Um, I guess another one would just be, uh, we have our milk and cookie station. It, it's this giant iron structure that it looks like a, almost like the, the apple symbol when you have a bite out of it, but it's a, it's a cookie with a bite out of it. It has shelves and we, and we stack cookie shot glasses. So they're really shot glasses, but they're like, you know, red velvet and chocolate chip and, you know, cinnamon cookies, but, and, but you can put liquid in them. And so in the middle of the apparatus, we can put like, you know, white Russians or milk. So you pour your drink into your cookie and then take your shot and eat it. So we do try to do a lot of things like that. That's awesome. Just out of curiosity, like how much influenced when, I guess, let me back up. When someone comes to you and they say, I want to hire you guys, how much, um, how much input do you guys have versus like the event planner and how much input do you get from the person that wants the event? Like, do they say we want this kind of theme or do they leave it up to you guys to say, hey, make us a party and make it cool. We don't really care what you do. Like, how, do, how does that work? Well, I think, um, so there's different types of clients we have. So repeat clients, which are like the event coordinators, the GMCs, like, I think those are the type that will kind of let us do our thing. Um, obviously they'll have some guidelines they, they want us to stick in, or if it's a theme that we need to match. Um, but then it's like our single clients where, you know, it's their wedding, things like that. They, they want control of that menu. Okay. Totally fine with that. Um, but again, with that, what catering is and how people think about catering, we often need to shift them into like, hey, like, no, you don't have to have something this simple. Like, you can, you can have a really great meal at your wedding. 
And I think as soon as we break that barrier, whether it's from just talking to them or we bring them in for a tasting, um, we're able to break that barrier and really show them like, oh, okay. And we kind of build that trust. And maybe by the end of it, we're able to influence the menu a little more than they anticipated us doing. Mm-hmm. But, but for those clients, yeah, they are kind of dictating. That's interesting. You, what's, what's more common? I'm curious. Do most people push back on that and say, no, this is, I want it my way and, and that's it? Or do, are, do you feel like most people are pretty receptive to your suggestions once they get to get to talk to you? Um, I would say if, <laughs> I would say if, if they don't like the way we do it, they don't hire us. Okay. I don't think it's so much like they want us to change. Like anybody that's looking for a caterer is probably talking to three different ones at the same time. And, uh, gotcha. and I think it's good for us too. We, we want to stay true to our brand. Right. So if, you know, if they're looking for very specific, very simple type of food, there's plenty of caterers that will do it. And, right. you know, they'll do a great job at it where we're good at what we do and that's unique food. It's unique presentations. Right. Um, and, and it's really bringing that experience based food to your event. Okay. Dude, they have a donut wall. <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> I've never, I've never partaken of any of the donuts. You know, I don't, I don't eat a lot of sweets. Right. But <laughs> Oh. I'm thinking maybe that might not be totally true. But. No, no, that's a complete false. <laughs> so what? Uh, what's your uh, favorite thing to cook, both of you? What? What's your favorite uh, genre? Well, mine's easy. Mine's uh, Peruvian. Peruvian food. I'm Peruvian. I grew up Peruvian. Um, it has a very special place in my heart. So Is that what you're? That's what you're cooking at home. Yeah. My wife loves it. She's now turned into a Peruvian just from uh, living with me and my parents. Uh, but yeah, that's ceviches. It's a lot of fish, a lot of citrus, a lot of uh, chilies. That's my Alex. my love. This is one of the hardest questions that I always get answered. Uh, Can you answer it for you? <laughs> I know you're going to say jalapeno, lime, and cilantro. <laughs> yep, there you go. doesn't matter what it is. If it has those three ingredients, Alex loves to cook it. Uh, I would say like, I, I like kind of doing a fusion between, I guess this kind of fits this, but it's uh Latin and Asian. Uh, but I, I like to put like, you know, French tech techniques into it. But, uh, yeah, I think, uh, my wife is Cuban. I love cooking Cuban food. Uh, I love braising, you know, braising meats. Just started, I remember I was, we were talking before I just started getting into doing, doing some barbecue. Yeah. Um, yeah, but definitely a Latin and Asian fusion. That's interesting. I know you guys travel together. Um, and is it every year or twice a year? I don't know, but where you guys try to go to kind of kind of a remote place and try the food and get a little learn, but also get a little bit of culture and travel is, is, am I, am I accurate in that? Well, well, after probably our first two years of working together, we started traveling as a company, like almost like religiously, like once or twice a year, we went to Spain, we went to Peru um uh, we went to um thailand. P- thailand panama um panama country or is that a city? Yeah, no, it's country panama. <laughs> they don't have so, that. there's no geography at uh culinary Institute? Oh. <laughs> yeah no I, I skipped that class well it's also um, a van halen song but you know whatever <laughs> um i would say you know in the earlier stages uh we did travel a lot um 
as a, as an entire group and it was easier because we weren't as busy. Um, but now as we have grown, you know, we, something that we've, we're really trying to take seriously is like, we can't say we've had these amazing partnerships with these events centers here to their family. We can't say no to them because we're out of town. So now we kind of have to stagger oh. our, 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 our culinary trips. So someone always has to be here just to make sure, you know, the ships, you know, staying afloat. Well, that, that's, that's interesting. I, I didn't even think of that, that you guys would, yeah, you're, you're shut down while you guys are gone. Right. So, but you mm-hmm. know, stagger it. Um, I have a little trip envy, uh, Jeremy's trip that they did. To, was it ice? It was Iceland. Uh, just looked amazing. Are, are you and Cena going to take, take the baby and con- continue to travel? Yeah. You- According to Cena, you know, three months in, we're going to give that baby his first trip. I'm like, I don't know how we're going to do that, but three months. Okay. She's very adamant. She says we start them young. We won't have the issues. Uh, but yeah, I don't want to stop traveling. I don't want, honestly, don't want my life to change too much. So we'll see how that goes. Oh, my friend, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a whole different podcast. Yeah, yeah good, I know. good luck with that. No, you, you know what? That, in all seriousness, that's the right attitude, though. I mean, if you if you say, no, we're not going to, we're going to take our child and we're going to include the child in, in uh, you know, in our travels and culture and everything else. I mean, that's yeah. that is the right attitude, in my opinion, my humble opinion. Nice. Worst case, grandma and grandpa here. Yeah, that's true. That nice. always that only <laughs> works for a while, though. Yeah. So what are what are the plans for the, the future now that uh, COVID is kind of winding down? What are your what are your plans for the immediate future? And where do you guys want to take uh, cut and taste long term? Um, I mean, right before COVID, we we were on a really driven game plan where we were meeting our capacity. We were like, hey, this is as much business we can take on. Let's perfect this level of business. So I think as we get out of COVID, I want that to be our goal again. I don't, I don't think we've talked about it. Um, really right now we're just trying to get through this, mm-hmm. but it's, it's never been a goal of mine to just grow unlimitedly. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, you know, find our capacity and just give everyone the best catering that they've ever had and continue to grow the ideas, continue to grow the experience base. Um, and, you know, just give, give all of our staff the, the right amount of time off, the right amount of stress level. I think that's what's most important to me. Are you going to continue with the pop-up model? Yeah. I mean, we yeah, I, Go ahead. Yeah, I definitely think that we're, we're going to. Um, it probably won't be as frequent as it was during COVID. Right, yeah, you uh, guys will be busy on the weekends. Um, but, you know, you know, on, on slower weeks, there's always slower months of the year. There's always slow weeks of the year. Uh, I think our staff really, I, I myself, and I think I speak for everyone, really enjoyed doing the pop-ups. Uh, everyone was given at least one dish. I mean, our, 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 in terms of our management and staff, was given one dish just to make their own, and it's a way for someone, uh, all of us to express our creativity in ways that we normally couldn't do for our standard event. Um, yeah, so to answer your question, yes, I think we will be doing it probably at least once a quarter. That's so, awesome. The thing I'd always say when we're doing those pop-ups is like, you know, these pop-ups are super cool, but this is exactly the type of thing that we would do for free. Like we wouldn't be charging people. It would be 
hey, we have a slow week. Let's invite some people here and let's just get super creative. And I can't wait for that to be the reason that we're doing a pop-up um, because, yeah, then it's just straight passion and we get to choose our guests and we invite specific people that we know are going to love the food no matter what. Yeah, that's going to be a nice time. Well, I, I would do that for free as well, be a food taster. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll make sure to get you in on one of those. I always say, hey, if you guys, as soon as you guys are out of the hiring freeze and you're looking for people to taste the dishes, I'll be, you know, I can cut, I actually can cut, I, I can prep food pretty efficiently. Uh -huh. I can cut carrots all the same size, you know. <laughs> I don't know all those French, what's that French term? Is it something? Bouche? What is um, it? Douche? Yeah, I can do that. I mean, I'm good, man. I can stir some Ben, stock. what's in the muse, Ben, what's in the muse bouche? Isn't that the prep vegetables? <laughs> no. I don't know. No, that's mise en place. Oh, mise en place. That's what I'm thinking. I can cut all that the same size, though, very efficiently. I have knife <laughs> skills. I work for food. <laughs> Just don't put me on the donut wall. Because <laughs> then the guests will not get any donuts. <laughs> so, so, guys, our, we talked about this a little bit. You know, our, our audience is... Um, you know, we're trying to get out. Uh, we, we do a lot of stuff, uh, shows that are veteran based, uh, guys that have, you know, made a change or started a business that were veterans. I wanted to have you guys on. You're not veterans, but I think you guys are the um, shining example of what an entrepreneur should be and keeping your head up, taking one on the chin with this COVID stuff in a very difficult business to be in anyway. Uh, so our listeners, we want them to hear, um, you know, if you want to make a change in your life or if you want to start a business, if you want to uh, get out, you know, lose weight, whatever it is, um, make the change, make the decision. You guys are very driven. You guys are very organized, um, a great team. If, if each of you could take a minute and maybe tell our, our listeners, uh, you know, one or two things of advice, like from an entrepreneur standpoint or a partnership standpoint, what, you know, maybe some advice if somebody was out there going, Hey, I want to start a X type of business, whatever it is. Um, maybe a little bit of advice. Um, so, I mean, what I would say is it's, I think it's surprisingly, I don't want to say easy, but it's not difficult to bring in a small amount of revenue when it's just you to cover what you're probably making at your job. Especially if you have a, you know, a nine to five, I think, a lot of people will think like, oh, how am I ever going to like pay for my bills? Like when it's just you and like when I started cutting taste and it was just me and Adam, you know, just bringing in $400, that was not difficult. And I'm, I'm not saying that in a bragging way. It's just like you just have to do a little bit of work to get that to come in. So if you figure out, hey, how much money do I need to survive? Do those numbers and whatever business you have in your mind, do the math, figure out, all right look how little I have to do in order to give a hundred percent of my time to this business that I want to start. And I think you'll be shocked by what those numbers are and how more realistic your dream is than probably what's going on in your head. That's awesome. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, for me, I think understanding the part, importance of relationships and working together is um, 
you know, over the past, you know, you know, eight, nine years of working together, you know, we've had our ups and downs as partners. I mean, it's like having brothers you never asked for, you know, it's like, it's like being in a marriage, you know, I feel like I have like, you know, four wives now. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, but, uh, it's, I would say understand is, is patience, understanding, putting your, your, yourself in other people's positions. And I'm speaking on this in the terms of partnerships. I think they're, I think partnerships are a blessing. There's things that I know in life that I am not good at. And I know that Jeremy is incredible at same thing with Adam. Um, and it's, you know, it's like any marriage or any relationship, it's going to take understanding, patience, working together. You're going to have your ups and downs, but knowing that you're, you're both, uh, you're trying to achieve a common goal and, uh, looking at the greater good of not just you, the company, your employees, uh, in order to, you know, achieve that. That's awesome. That's very cool. And I, one more question before Brian wraps this up, but I'm a, you guys know this. I'm a, I'm a home chef, but, and I have celebrity chef crushes. Do you guys, you guys are both <laughs> amazing chefs. Um, but do you have a celebrity or a famous chef story or crush that you want to share with the listeners? Um, I don't normally get starstruck ever. Um, but I remember one of the, the first chefs that I really looked up to was, uh, Michael Simon. He's from Cleveland. I'm from Cleveland. Uh, he was an iron chef. He's yeah. done a bunch of stuff on food network. Uh, he's got a really bubbly personality. I, I mean, I've, I've met a lot of celebrities and athletes and to me, they're just, they're, they're humans. That's funny um, because I've met, I've met chef Simon and he is the most down to earth. Like he's that yeah. way. He's not, he doesn't think he's big you know big shit he's he's a good dude he's an, he's an amazing amazing human i turned around a corner and ran into him and i could barely pronounce the first letter of my name i i was starstruck <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> that's awesome that's very cool so i'll tell you a quick story you know he he opened those restaurants here at the palms uh and we went to um is oh, i'm gonna forget the name of but is it sarah beth's the one that's like the uh, Sarah's is, is, is I think Sarah's. Uh, we went to speakeasy. his yeah the speakeasy yes Sarah's and so we went there for dinner and it was the first week they were open so they were running through they had all the event uh, planners come in and we were getting a comped meal and uh, I same thing man I'm sitting there and we ordered all this stuff off the menu and he comes he literally walks in the door and walks over and the people we were with uh, we were with Jessica and Matt and they had no idea who he was and I'm like, that's Chef Simon. That's Chef Simon. And he walks over. He literally pulls up a chair and he's like, so what do you guys think? And what did you order? And I said, well, I was torn between this and then this this beef rib. And he goes, you didn't order the beef rib? He goes, hold on a second. <laughs> and he he says to the well, hey, go bring him a beef rib. And then so he leaves. And then when the rib comes, he comes over and sits down. He walks me through. Like as I'm eating this rib, he's like, man, so we, t we, we like roast it in duck fat. Then we cook it for 32 days and then we do this and then we do that. <laughs> and I'm just, man, I got grease coming down my face and I'm looking at him. I'm like, and he gets up and walks away. I look at Lindsay. I'm like, did I just eat a rib in front of Michael Simon while he explained to me how he made it? Like, did that just happen? Like, no way. You know, it was pretty funny. So, That's awesome. That's cool. Jeremy, who's yours? Very cool. Um, obviously, uh, Giada is a crush. Oh, I mean, no, but I 
I'm not mad at you. In terms of uh, skills, um, skill crushes, mine would be a catering company called Pinch Food Design. Uh, they are in New York, and they are a really big inspiration for me. Um, you know, they're always pushing the limit. They're always trying to get creative. They're, they're really doing similar things to what we're trying to achieve. And it's cool to see just other companies, you know, getting away from the norm, especially in the catering industry, which is like 95% are just doing what feels like the same thing. And it's really cool to see other companies stepping outside the box and they've been around way longer than us. So they're first, uh, we just follow. That's awesome. That's awesome. Very cool. Very nice. Well, I want to be respectful of uh, both of your times, but uh, just to recap, I, I just want to say it's been a real pleasure talking to you guys. Um, and you said a couple of things that I think are real important. I just want to reiterate. We talk about it all the time. I think I'd be safe in saying you guys kind of got your, your jump start just from networking, from talking to the right people, from being in the right place, from putting yourselves out there, um, just from making those relationships, you know, and we talk about that all the time. And I think every guest we've had on is, has had a similar example of, Hey, I put myself out there, talked to the right people, was able to build on those relationships. Um, and I think what's really neat, you guys said too, what I really appreciate is when I asked you about how you're going to grow, you guys seem pretty content where you're at. And I think, I think that's important. I think you guys are doing exactly what you want. I think you're providing a great service and I think you're providing a great product. And I, I think you kind of answered the question in a roundabout way, but it, for anyone out there, that's kind of unsure of that. It's like at some point you can grow too big and then you lose sight of your brand. You lose sight of the product that you're, you're producing. And from everything I've seen, you guys just produce an amazing product all around from the food to the experience. And uh, I think that's important too. You know, sometimes you find that sweet spot, you know, you said you want to take care of your employees, um, but still provide that good experience. And, you know, obviously the food is amazing. So, you know, for anyone out there that's starting a business, you know, consider that you can't be all things to everybody. You know, just like you guys said, there's some business that you, you know, some people don't hire you and that's fine. And I think, you know, again, some people starting a business, try to do that. They try to be everything to everyone. And it's in a way it's kind of counterproductive. And I think you guys are a great example of that, that if you guys tried to get every customer, you'd get lost in the weeds, you know, like you said, you'd just be doing the same thing as everyone else. And that's, that's an important lesson too. Um, so it, it, it's been a great conversation. I, I really appreciate you guys spending the time with us. Um, lastly, before we go, when we sign off, just remind everybody, uh, if you don't mind, where they can find you guys on social media. And then uh, I'll put links to everything in our uh, website and social media also. And then uh, after that, I'll sign off. Well, yeah, uh, we had a lot of fun. Uh, thank you, Brian. Thank you, Ben. Um, for anybody looking for us, our Instagram is cut and taste food. And that is taste tea with tea is in Tom, <laughs> not cut and paste. They, we get that a lot. Um, and our website is cut LV like Las Vegas.com. Very cool. I'll link up to that in our uh, website. Uh, so for Ben, Alex and Jeremy, this is Brian signing off for the nothing Owed podcast. And we will see you all next time. Bye everybody.